0: cool thanks for your love and support in advance simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go now on to the show welcome to the prolific writer podcast where speed's the name of the game Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast host, Ryan Pelton. I'm really glad that you're here. And yes, this is the podcast dedicated to writing fast, writing often, and writing well, or writing well often fast, however you choose, whatever order you choose. And yes, we try to find some of the most prolific writers on the planet. Many of these writers you've never heard of, and that's not because they're not good writers, but mainly because they are busy writing their books, slinging their words. And maybe they're not the Stephen Kings of the world or the Lee Childs of the world, but they are great writers who are making a great living writing. And the people we try to find, we try to find guests who are inspiring, who have great stories, write in a variety of genres and try to glean from them inspiration and tips and advice so that we can get our work out in the world so we can write more books share our stories with the world and so uh, thank you for everyone that listens in it's been a great ride this is episode number 23 I can't believe it's even 23 and I want to apologize there last couple of weeks we've we've taken a week off in between episodes and hopefully uh, you're doing okay uh, hopefully the counseling's going well I know when you don't get your weekly dose of the prolific writer podcast we go into shock uh, maybe some kind of rash breaks out paranoia, a lot of other symptoms that are pretty normal, um, but we're back in action here. And I, I want to apologize again, some personal things, uh, life things happen. We had a personal friend pass away and um, I had the privilege of doing their funeral and uh, had to fly out of town. And so, you know, life happens and, and that's just part of life and that's okay because we're here, we're good, we're alive and uh, and that's how that goes. But we'll try to get back on track, try to get some weekly episodes going, have some interviews lined up. And uh, we will do our best to get that content out there. And so, uh, thank you everyone who's been listening. Thank you everyone that's leave left, leaved, leaved. That's not a word. Left reviews, and people are listening in and enjoying and learning and growing. And, And I want to say something about this show. Is I'm trying to make it unique because there's a lot of writing podcasts out there. There's there's plenty to choose from. A lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of podcasts I listen to, to learn from. And and I want to say one thing, and just as a caveat, is that as you listen to these guests and hear me talk and rant about different things, um, is, you know, so much advice is just advice. And so many tips are just tips. And the point is not to say that there's some magic formula Uh, Because one thing that you'll notice as you go through different episodes and you hear different writers is they all have different processes. They all think about writing differently. But when it comes down to it, it's really sitting down and putting the work in and doing the work. How we get there, some outline, some pants, some do whatever. um, That's not the point. But there's also another aspect that I think is important when you think about writing is is just to take what you can and say, maybe that'll work for me. Uh, Maybe it won't work for me. Uh, maybe it worked for that one person, but I tried that and it just doesn't work for me. And and there, there's so many times I've tried to do things and write in ways that others have done and it just didn't work. And that's okay. That's, that's the point. Part of it is discovering who you are and how you're wired and, and figuring out what works for you. And so don't be, um, so worried about, you know, there's one magic pill. And if I, if I follow this one magic pill and do it this one way, then, then somehow it all work out in the end, and so, uh, so so I, I just want to encourage you in that. And also, one of the things we're we're trying to get at is kind of the roots of and, and the depths of writing and the writing life is that I know for me, uh, writing isn't just about mechanics. It's not about getting the grammar right. It's not about what software I'm using. But it's it's getting at kind of the deeper parts of who we are and why we write and why we we tell these stories. And, and so I hope through the interviews, I I try my best to kind of get at why people write, what gets them up out of, out of bed. Why do they have these stories? Why do they start writing? Um, Because I think some of that is more inspirational than, than just the mechanics or the marketing or all those things. And I know we can learn from all those things, but, but, but I want to get down to the heart of writing and desires and, why we tell stories and why we can't stop telling stories. And, and sometimes people don't understand people that are writers. They, they just have to tell stories, even if they're not making any money That's not the point. That's not the motivation. We, we started writing when we were five, six, seven, eight years old in school and, and got the bug. And, and for, for a lot of us, we haven't stopped since. Um, and so hopefully that's coming through. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll, we'll do our best to keep getting at kind of the, the guts of writing and, and the deeper parts of writing. And this leads me to a little, just a little caveat, a little sidebar, a little thingy over here, uh, is is I've 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 gone out and I've kind of done something, and I, I've been writing fiction. I've been writing nonfiction for a lot of years and was writing most of my fiction under a pen name and came to this point where I, I decided that, you know, it's just too much work to, to have a pen name. It's It's too much work to have social media and, and have another pen name and a website and all that. And I was doing that just for the sake of readers, just so they could find me and know that my, my nonfiction and my fiction were different and, um, and not confuse people. But, but I just got to this point where I realized, you know, I, I, why do I need to do that? Um, many people have written their work. They've written nonfiction. They written fiction all under one name and, and, and it seemed to work out fine. And, and, and I came to this point where I just realized, you know what? I'm just, I am who I am. And I like to write, nonfiction stuff. I like to write fiction stuff and why separate out the two and, and do all this extra work to, to kind of keep these two audiences separate. And, and they are, um, different people read different stuff. Um, but, but, you know, I write in my nonfiction is mainly Christian nonfiction. I write about Christian spirituality and prayer and Bible study and, um, leadership and, and church ministry kind of stuff. And, and I also write fiction, but I think there was some fear that, that the fiction I write isn't isn't considered quote unquote Christian fiction, whatever that may be, may mean. And maybe we'll have an episode on, on that, but, but, but I didn't set out to write kind of Christian moral tales. Uh, I just wanted to tell stories and tell honest stories. And, and so a lot of my fiction um, has some language in it and that's just to make it as real as possible. I don't use it just to use it flippantly and I don't use a lot of it, but um but but I wanted the stories to be good and to tell the stories I wanted to tell and, and not worry about if it's Christian or this and, and yes my worldview's in there and, and there's some things but um but again I just wanna as C.S. Lewis says the, the number one goal of a writer is if you're a Christian is not to just write stories uh, or write Christian stories, but to just write a good story. And so that's what I've kind of done. And so I've I've made this this transition and and just used my name uh, for for everything and and kind of lumped it all together and and we'll see how it goes and so I, I just want to be me and be honest to who I am and this podcast and my writing and and you can see it's all out there and you can check it out if you want and and just also to say I'm I'm a prolific writer too that I'm I'm not just talking about writing but I'm doing the work. And uh, putting in the words and producing the work, and and it's been a been a great run. And so, um, people have been liking the books and, and buying them and checking them out. And so that's been been edifying too. And uh, and and so that also leads me just to my next my next guest, Jay Wilburn, because Jay was, is a big inspiration to me, um, mainly because he's gone through some things in his life, some some uh, struggles. He just had a kidney transplant not too long ago, and was gracious enough to come on the show. And when I think about writing and why we write is is that he, he has this just very inspirational story about learning to live with the pain of having a kidney that was failing and, and how that affected him and his writing and how that affected his family, but how he kept on going and how he got this kidney transplant was writing a story in the hospital, hopped up on drugs and, and, and has a great story. And, and, and what I, I love about that and why I shared my story is because he, he really does kind of Uh, inspire me and and hopefully inspire you to really just be who you are. And and he's a man of faith as well. We talk a little bit about that. That's not the main point of the the, the interview, Um, but just how he wanted to tell good stories and also how he kind of leans into the dark side of humanity and why his stories are dark. And it's because we're all dark and we all have issues and we all have struggles and we need healing and we need change. And um, and that's how the world is, and and so he talks about that even as a Christian, how he, um, you know, just wants to tell these these stories that are honest and true. And so, so I hope this this episode with Jay Wilburn Wilburn will be an inspiration to you. And uh, I was encouraged by it. I was thankful to have time with Jay. And so I want to get right to the episode. If you don't um, haven't, or I should say, if you haven't had a chance to leave a review on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, we're all over the place. Please do so. That really helps us get. Uh, the Prolific Writer Podcast out in the world. If you could do that, that'd be wonderful. And i uh, love for you to s- support the show. So with that, let's get to the episode. Welcome everybody to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is Ryan Pelton, and I am privileged to have today Jay Wilburn, author, writer, uh, all-around good guy. You may know him as hashtag Captain uh, Kidney. Did I say that right? Captain Three Kidneys. Yeah. Um, and uh, we 'll probably talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, he is a superhero in some people 's minds, and uh, i 'm just really excited to have uh, Jay on the show and uh, been following Jay around um, not in a creepy way, but uh, was uh, passed along uh, his name and said, "Hey, this is a guy you should talk to and uh, and and Jay I would say encapsulates the prolific writer he's created a lot of work and writes a lot and he's done it in the midst of some physical ailments and kidneys and all kinds of things so we're going to talk a little bit about that today so welcome to the show Jay
1: thanks for having me
0: well Jay you are uh if I'm not mistaken you're in South Carolina kind of Myrtle Beach area is that correct that's right well, great. Well, good to have you um, from South Carolina. And uh, yeah, I wanted to just first just start off. Um, some people know that are familiar with you that you just had a kidney uh, surgery transplant, and um, and wanted to see how are you doing, how are things going.
1: Oh, I'm doing very well. Uh, everything took very very quickly. Um, all my numbers are really good, and uh, I you know I have energy that I don't remember having before. So. Uh, it's, I, I actually don't remember what it's like to feel healthy. So like when I, when I felt like, I guess what normal people feel like it, it it did feel like I, you know, had gotten superpowers, you know, the power to stay awake all day and things like that. Yeah.
0: It's been an interesting uh, journey. If people have followed your blog or Facebook or wherever, uh, just to kind of hear the difference between life, you know, (laughs) Would it be uh, PK pre kidney post K, um, and, yeah. and just the the energy, the kind of what you're saying, the uh, wow, this is what it's like to feel healthy, and and some people don't you know understand that, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that just because uh, we've had a couple guests on our show that talk a little bit about one uh, individual had just some some mental uh, you know health issues and depression and things, um, and then I know a lot of writers too that have had physical you know, suffering and ailments and whatnot. Um, Just talk a little bit about that, just kind of how that's been for you. I mean, just in your own kind of journey of writing and dealing with the physical pain and, you know, how does that affect you and and all those kinds of things?
1: I think my humor stayed pretty dark and I think part of it was you know, facing mortality all the time. So, you know, I had a lot of gallows humor, um, almost to the point that it, you know, made people who cared about me very, very uncomfortable. Um, but it was just kind of my way of dealing with that, you know, because it was a very real thing. And the, the way kidney failure works, it's, it's very slow but progressive. So you, your symptoms progress and you can, you know, physically watch a percentage as it drops. And, you know, once you get down to zero, you know, it's either dialysis or death. Um, and when the live kidney donor came through, um, I was at a point where I really should have been on dialysis, but since the surgery was imminent, they decided to hold off. And so, you know, I was in like a stage where people aren't supposed to get. And so it it was, it was, it was a dark journey, but I don't know that I ever really was depressed in the sense that a, a lot of people suffer with that, Um, I just kind of, you know, some of it was faith and some of it was just, you know, perspective that you get from struggling. Um, But, you know, I always just kind of felt like, okay, either either this is going to end well or it's not. But, I, you know, I'm not going to you know, I'm I'm not going to be ruled by the darkness or whatever. And so um, I think it helped me in a lot of ways. Like I, I wouldn't give up what I learned by going through that struggle because I really do think it meant something to people, you know, to see like. Okay, here's here's what I'm going through, but here's the light I still believe in. Um, you know, some, some of it in a religious sense, but then some just in a you know, where we all kind of suffer together, and I do think it, it changed the way I see people in terms of empathy, um, people's physical suffering, people's mental suffering, um, you know, whatever I might think of them as people. Like I, I seem to be attuned to what people are going through, and so I I, I kind of see and recognize people's suffering and, and that means something to me now that you know it may not have meant had i not gone through all of this
0: yeah and i think that's a great perspective because i think some people don't realize the what we learn from it i mean we don't no one wants to go through this i mean you'd probably never say well i'm so thankful and I just everybody needs to suffer like this but but even in the midst of it you're you're learning from it you're helping people kind of walk through that um now when you were uh you know kind of making the um the shift and we'll get into a little more of your your uh origin story if you will uh when you're you're kind of making the shift from teaching in school i heard and uh heard in one interview and read read as well and then kind of going into writing full-time um you know how did your kind of physical ailments how did that uh, affect your writing like day schedule i mean were there days where it was just really difficult or just days where you just felt like i just can't do this um how, how, talk a little bit about that
1: yes um it was kind of strange because I think there's a certain strength that comes from having to do something when you don't feel well. So like everybody's schedule gets full and everybody gets tired and everybody gets busy. So, um, you know, even, even if you're perfectly healthy by whatever metric you use, you know, life can drag you down a little bit. So I don't know that that experience was all that different from what a, you know, a regular person deals with going through life, but getting used to like writing and, and, producing when you don't feel well it became a little easier for me as I was dealing with other things like I was used to having to push through and some things like that Um, writing full time I'd done some ghost writing and freelance too so I had to produce um, large word counts to make that work financially so at one point I was doing you know 10 and 12,000 words a day and a, a large portion of that for other people um, as I really started to decline, I, you know I just couldn't keep up those numbers and even now that I'm healthy, you know I'm still on medications and still you know dealing with some side effects of that, still ten thousand times better than I was, but you know it's just that even though I'm doing all my writing for myself at this point, you know uh you know I'm still not producing those you know ridiculous word counts, and some of that was desperation you know when you're when you're kind of feeding yourself from writing you can you can push yourself to do some amazing things but um, just just kind of getting used to producing those numbers and some of it's just being steady. you know it's a person who has a day job and is writing at night will sometimes put up bigger numbers than those of us that do it full time, you know because it's just it's easy for life to fill up the time. Um, but I think some of it, you know, whether sick or healthy or any of that was just a matter of, of being steady with it and, and going for it, however much you can produce with whatever time and energy and you know creativity you have. Um, some of it, you know, writing horror. Obviously, there's some advantages to not feeling well in terms of like being able to tap into pain, and um, you know, the you know, all all horror is kind of in some form or another touching on the fear of death. So when you're when you're really facing mortality in real life, you kind of have a perspective on that that you don't when you're just kind of trying to imagine what a person afraid of dying would be going through. So. Um, There was some give and take, and I think I think it made me better at what I do. You know, just in creating characters and struggle and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's
0: just something about that that kind of empathy, empathetic part of us. You know, when we go through things. You know, I've I've heard you know authors talk about it's easier to write when you get a little bit older because life's kind of beating you up a little bit. And you've gone through some things and, <laughs> right. you know, it's like the 19 year old just, you know, the stories sound a little flat because you just haven't really experienced the world, you know, um, which is kind of interesting. You This is kind of a, a side, sideways uh, way to talk about this, but I, I was enjoying your blog. You've been um, kind of revisiting some of Stephen King's uh, books and writings and things. <clears throat> and you talked a little or he talked a little bit about, you know, 19 writing his first novel, and just how horrible it was. And and you know and I, and I and I wonder sometimes it's simply because we haven't lived yet, we haven't suffered yet, we haven't gone to those dark places yet. I mean, maybe to that, you know, I guess to a larger extent. Um, and sometimes our immaturity just comes out in our writing because it's just it's it's flat and it's just we just haven't don't know the world, we don't know ourselves that well. Um.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there's some advantages too, though. Like I do think that as we go along, we give certain things up. So. Like, when I look back at some of my first writings, you know, and and all the the little things about them that bother me because I've learned to do it better, there's also a raw energy in that writing that when I read it, as much as some of the stuff bothers me, I'm like, God, I need to recapture some of that, you know, some of that, like, just wild and loose that I was doing there. Um, You know, as I've gotten older, I I find a lot of characters dealing with family stuff. So, like, you know, a lot of my fears center around trying to take care of my kids and that kind of thing. So I end up with characters that do that. And sometimes you have to stretch to imagine somebody who's not dealing with having children, you know, which is a, which is an aspect. And, you know, like writing full time, um, you know, I have to stretch to kind of remember what it was like to have the day job, you know, where I, I dreaded Monday and some things like that that I don't experience regularly and personally now. So I think, you know, people who are writing with a day job have certain advantages, too, because, you know, they get they can get down into some of that nitty gritty stuff that you only learn from having that job you hate and things like that so you know as as we move through life we we kind of gain things but i also think we're we're shedding some things you know that that are worth kind of holding on to too so i have a lot of respect for a number of 19 year olds that that produce work (laughs) that i'm like man i wish i i wish i had some of what that guy's capturing you know sure
0: you know, or the, the day job where, hey, don't mess with me or you're going to make it into my book and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> so <laughs> I might change the name or I might not. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's throw it in reverse a little bit and back up. Uh, I, I always love hearing kind of the uh, origin stories of, of the writers and authors that I have on the show. And um, so it uh, sounds like about 16 years ago. Is that long, that long ago you, uh, you taught school? Yeah. You, you taught yeah, school I thought, four 16 years
1: like, I could... yeah for 16 years so it was right out of college and um, I've been full-time about four or five years now since okay. about 2013 okay um, I'd started writing professionally a couple years before that where you know I was putting stories out and getting you know a little bit of money for them and that kind of thing and of course you know writing just on my own and not showing it to anybody for you know well before that right in right back into childhood um, as I as I kind of went along and was looking at it, there's really no great time to quit your day job and start writing full time. Like there's not this moment where you're like, oh, this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. I suppose, you know, you look at King selling Carrie and some things like that, but you know, that's not typical. Like if you're waiting for that, you're probably going to be waiting forever. Mm -hmm. And not that there's any, not that there's any, you know, impetus that you have to you know quit the day job or anything, but, you know, at the moment that I chose to do it, it was a little, little bit of a leap of faith. Like I, I really didn't have enough to justify it. Um, but you know, there's some family stuff going on, and then my own things, and it's just kind of one of those moments where you're like, I think I would rather just go for it and regret, you know, oh, I might have to go back, as opposed to regret not ever having tried. Um, so for me, that moment of like walking out of school for the last. Now, at the moment that I, you know, I decided to kind of quit that day job and. and and walk walk out on it there's something very empowering there and it, some of it did come with fear you know that idea that like oh man i'm on the hook now to actually make something of myself um, but some of it then was just realizing that you know surviving as a person or surviving as a writer is just kind of that ability to just keep going you know that it is a it is a slow grind and it is a, a daily battle and all those kind of things you're gonna have successes you're gonna have setbacks, but. If you're willing to push through, you know those scary moments where you're like, "I, I need to give this up. There, this, this is too scary." Then that's kind of making it in a sense. And where I am now, you know, where I've been able to kind of give up some of the ghost writing and, and you know, rely solely on my own writing to be a, a steady income. You know, that's a, that's a moment you work for. You know, it's not it's not something that I just fell into. So it's 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 kind of cool to to look back on those times and realize that you know it's just. Like anything else that's worth doing, it was worth working hard at, and everything I went through was getting me to this point, and then whatever comes next, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about your family. So um, growing up, I mean, were there books in the home? Where Was writing encouraged? Like Where did that kind of bug storytelling uh, begin?
1: Yeah, my dad was a voracious reader. He read a lot and he read to me, and um, he always had a book in his hand and that kind of thing. And, you know, there's a lot that we didn't get along with as I was growing up, and especially once I was older. But I I think I picked up on that from him. Um, He did write when he was younger. He wasn't doing it by the time I was around, but I I knew he had. Um, And I kind of just picked it up at school. You know, there's just opportunities where you could write your own stories. And, you know, a lot of mine were just kind of, um, you know, knockoffs of Lord of the Rings and whatever sci fi book I'd read or whatever. And it was only until later that I was kind of, kind of creating my own thing. At first it was mostly zombie stories that I was doing on my own. And my first professional pay for it was a zombie story. Um, but then I kind of expanded out into other areas of, of horror and other genres. And really at that point kind of found my voice in terms of, of telling a story just apart from a particular genre.
0: So you have a affinity for Stephen King, I gather. And, uh, which is a good man. I, you know, sometimes it's funny. I say that I'm a, you know, Christian and what have you, and it's like, what? You can't, you know, like him. You can, only, <laughs> you can only read, you know, Amish romance. So, um, but uh, yeah, I've always uh, just as a a pure storyteller, and you know, regardless if you like the horror. Movie, I'm, I mean, I think some of his best stuff isn't even his horror stuff. I think you know, Green, right. Green Mile, his short stories. You know, um, you know the um, not the stand, but the one based on Stand by Me and. You know, Shawshank right. Redemption, the body. Uh, the body, yeah, and um, was it Rita Hayworth? Uh, and, yeah, and people people are surprised that he wrote those stories. Um, but right. uh, yeah, so talk a little bit about that. Um, not just Stephen King, but but the the horror genre, speculative fiction genre. Uh, were those were there books? Were there influences that you said, yeah, this is kind of what I like. This is what you know. Why did you start writing in that and not um, Amish
1: romance? Um. <laughs> I got into King around high school, and so I was kind of playing catch-up on some of that. Um, his, some of his short stories probably actually connected to me more strongly than, than some of the novels, but I re- obviously I read a lot. Um, and then I just started kind of picking up. Like I would go to a bookstore, and I, I would look for anthologies as opposed to novels sometimes just to get you know hit by several stories. And uh, you know, get something weird too, because usually when you picked up a novel from a regular bookstore, you, you kind of had the the marketable novel. Even even some of the better horror was still that way. But then if you got an anthology, there's always one or two like really out there kind of stories. Um, I don't I don't know that I even thought about it being horror when I first started writing. Like I was just writing zombie stories because it was something I. You know, that was something that interests me and, you know, the survival and apocalypse. And so I was telling a pretty wide variety of, of character stories would just happen to deal with zombies in the universe or whatever. And it was only till later that I kind of as I was you know, selling stories and stuff that, it, you know, I kind of picked up on this idea of, of the use of fear and negative emotions with horror and kind of started to hone that particular craft. Like, you know, what is it that makes a story legitimately scary and, and what, it, you know, how does that mean something um, and so I, I started to read a little more widely in horror at that point kind of trying to pick up uh, what was going on whereas you know my reading before you know was more science fiction and fantasy and not really author specific you just kind of go to a bookstore find a cover you liked and just you know see what's in it kind of thing so I wasn't necessarily a real loyal reader I was just kind of a sporadic reader and I'd even gotten into more um, nonfiction so I was reading histories and how battles played out and how certain individuals and biographies played out. And I think that kind of helped create good fiction, that idea of, you know, how do real people behave and why do they make the choices they do and why do they fall and all that kind of stuff. So um it was a pretty wide range of of input that kind of led me into genre and, you know, dealing with dealing with horror, but then also, you know, like enjoying playing in steampunk and some of the other genres that just have, you know, different elements to them in terms of aesthetic and storytelling and and stuff like that. And I think that may be what it comes down to. I'm just looking for a good story to tell. And sometimes horror provides, you know, a a wider range of emotions that you can tap into. And so that's where a lot of those stories end up falling, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a unique, I think there's a misnomer. And you you actually talked about this, I think in one of your videos or one of your interviews, um, like you even talked about the zombie genre or writing zombie stories and how you don't want the zombies to be the, the primary character. They're kind of in the background. Um, right. I mean, I think even people that walk, watch, you know, walking dead, you know, they would, they would say it's not about the zombies really. It's about the characters and about survival and about, you know, uh, I don't think I would enjoy, I like the show. I mean, you can judge me if you want, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's um, not because of zombies. Like I don't, there's nothing I that excited ab- about, but, but there's something about that, that idea of survival, that idea of what happens when everything's falling apart? How do we respond? You know, there, there is, or, or when you're scared or you're fearful, like what, what do we do as humans? Um to me is, is very intriguing because I think we all deal with fear and, mm-hmm. you know, King always says that, you know, right. what you're, you're scared about, right. What scares you to death? Well, <laughs> you know, you know, it's scary as a clown that's, you know, coming up from a, a great underground and you're a kid and your balloon goes down there. Like that's horrifying, right <laughs> you know, but, but as a kid, right. I mean, you, you would think about yeah. those things like don't go in the closet at night because who knows what's in there, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but that's a human thing, um, so I think that's interesting because I, I, you have some interesting perspective on that. Um, you know, re- related to that, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Just kind of, you, you talk about the dark side of us, you know, and you, you talk about being a Christian, but also saying, "But I'm also, you know, there's that dark side of me and dark side of everybody that you you want to kind of tap in as you're as you're telling those stories,
1: right?" And um, you know, just dealing from a biblical perspective because I do I do believe uh, a pretty traditional form of christianity i think you know i'm more libertarian in my politics but um just in my personal beliefs i tend to to believe the bible pretty directly now from that standpoint though i I still have this mindset of, of darkness you know so like when you when i look into the bible you know i i see like okay god uses suffering to teach us things and sometimes he uses suffering because he needs us to do something else for somebody else and that's a that's a pretty dark bargain you know that's a you know, that, that's what makes the book of Job so scary to Christians is this idea that, that God has a plan that, that's really going to hurt, you know, mm-hmm. with, but he, he's going to put you through it anyway, whether you like it or not. Um, and then, you know, the whole basis of the religion being based on a crucifixion, that's that's pretty dark stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, that the violence and blood and all those kind of things. Like, I, I don't see that as inconsistent with, you know, certain stories that I write. But then when you when you get into the horror side, like, I, I think there's a there's a range of negative emotions that can be told in a positive story. So, like, you know, if you're dealing with a hero overcoming something, you know, the deeper the darkness or the deeper the valley he went through, the bigger that triumph is going to seem. Um, and then there's some subtlety to that, too, because, you know, there is the fear of, like, the, the deadly clown underneath the sewer, but then there can also be the fear that if it's written really well, the fear of, of regret of having let your children down or something. Like, that That seems like such a small thing, but that's, that's something... More people fear than an actual deadly clown. So if you can find a way to tell that story within whatever context you choose to, like that, can be really unnerving and really powerful for somebody. Um, or just the the simple fact of dealing with depression or um, your own inadequacies or things like that. If you can if you can weave those into a story, sometimes that has a a more powerful story than you know whatever monster happens to be in the background of, of your particular story. So I, I kind of try to when, I, when I'm dealing with horror stories, you know, you're painting in shadows, but I, I try to be use subtle coloring too you know the, the, the little pieces that kind of make the story something more. and sometimes that's a very small aspect of the story that makes the whole story. So um, I, I do work pretty hard to try to try to work all those hues of color into a, into a particular story or a particular mm-hmm. character.
0: Uh, yeah, I like what you said there because I, I think there's it, it's kind of like you know the gospel is that you know we we call it good news. Well, until you know bad news, it's not really good news. And you know it, until we see the dark side, um, we can't really understand hope either. You know, I think there's that right. those, those both sides. You know, and kind of what you're saying, it's like until we we kind of grapple with how jacked up we really are, then the good news of grace and forgiveness and hope doesn't really sound that good, um, unless we know we need it you know, and, and that's, uh, I I think that's an important piece that we don't see enough of um, maybe people of faith that are writing because, you know, a lot of it uh, gets kind of, not, um, how should I say it, sanitized and kind of the rough, the rough edges are rubbed off, um, you know, and so we use, you know, Christian cuss words and we use, you know, (laughs) everybody always gets saved in the end, everybody always wins, you know, but it's like, but that's not how life is, because not everybody wins. You know, um, you know, there's no guarantees. You would have lived through your, you know, your surgery, um, right? But you right. know, every it seems like every Christian novel always ends with you know the triumph and um, and and there can always be those seeds of triumph. I mean, any good book you don't want to always be death, but but you know, it doesn't. Life isn't that way. Life isn't that neat. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's something. I, I think there's just something why I, you know I'm drawn to kind of darker, honest stories as opposed to ones that just feel kind of flat
1: right I had a I was on a panel um, at a convention a while back that was on like um, faith and and writing and that kind of thing and most of the panel was Christian writers like that was the genre they're in and I was kind of a writer who happened to be a Christian which Mm -hmm. was a a different thing from from what they were doing and you know I, I don't want to come down on that genre but there is a, a limit to how much a fiction novel can be used as an evangelical device, uh, partly because it, it's very easy once you have decided there's a viewpoint that you need to get across that it becomes propaganda as opposed to a, an actual story. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the one of the drawbacks of Christian fiction, you know, as a as a genre, is is the fact that Partly because of the audience, partly because of where it's sold and, and limitations there, which all genres have limitations. But um, there, there's really no room for ambiguity. So you can't have a Christian that kind of gets it, and you can't have um, somebody that doesn't come to resolution. Like they they make a step forward, but they don't come all the way, you know. And you can't have um, a Christian be a villain. Like that's that's something that won't play well. Because partly I, I don't know that that genre trust the audience completely. Like if, if I don't make the, this crystal clear, then they're going to miss the point. And I think really good writing just has to trust the audience no matter what genre you're talking about. And I think a lot of writers are guilty of it, of not trusting their audience to get it. Like I need to spell this out. I can't leave it to where even a couple people might miss it. Whereas I think that's more powerful for the ones that do get it. Like when you when you do something subtle and a percent of the audience gets it, I I think there's much more value in that. Um, So any subject you want to bring up in writing, you know, whether it's faith or whether it's um, how we treat each other or any any deal like that, you have to be willing to take it from a you know let let characters hold their own viewpoint, which may be different from yours, and then just trust the audience to come to conclusions. Very likely, people are going to come away believing mostly what they believed before. But a well-written piece of fiction can develop empathy for people. So um, you you can you can use it to do something powerful, but you have to be willing to be to be more subtle with it. I think to be you know that's I guess that's where the art of storytelling comes in. Um, and, and you know if you know I write faith into my work a lot, but I'm willing to write a story where my viewpoint is not held by the hero is held by the villain mm-hmm. i think there's power in that because we can kind of see our own shortcomings mm-hmm. we can see ourselves the way other people might see us um you know if you're doing a like i wrote a story here recently that's 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 up That's called cabin in the cotton and it was it was just it's just kind of fun project that a few um authors are in where they give us a song and then we kind of write a, a flash piece and the story i wrote was kind of an allegory for god but it's kind of got God from the viewpoint of how people who don't believe in him would see him, and it's not subtle. There's no, I mean, it's not direct. There's not like a here's the lesson at the end of the story, you know. So it's just kind of like if you played out, um, you know, a story about forgiveness and a story about asking for things and stuff like that, and or, or show it from someone else's viewpoint, um, then you get something more powerful, and people can come away with it saying, yeah, that's what I think about God, or you know, yeah, I get how that's how people see it. And so. You know, I, I wouldn't classify it as Christian literature, and I really don't know that many Christians, even ones that believe what I believe, would necessarily like that story. But um, I, I think it's a good story in the sense that, like, you, you're you willing to explore that concept in a way they haven't seen before. And I, I think that if you're going to discuss faith or anything else, you've got to be willing to do that. you got to be willing to push outside where you're comfortable and tell that story, um, whether you, whether you believe in a certain viewpoint or not.
0: No, that's good. I, I think there's there's too much of trying to like like you're saying put a message in there or make it very blatant or um, Yeah, you know, I think there's also like this thing of we try to put you know like a relationship and try to make it religious when you're like it's just it's a relationship it's a human thing yes god has made relationships you know us to be in relation with people but like when you talk about a family being dysfunctional like that's not christian or otherwise that's just human right. human you know and um, i'm finding that with a lot of my I, I write some fiction too and and finding a lot of my worldview comes into those stories but it's not blatant it's it's this idea of like i wrote a story it's like it's a crime story and it's like the, the, the theme that I didn't even know I was writing was basically families are dysfunctional yet. Those are the people we're stuck with. And so we have to learn how right. to deal with them, <laughs> you know? And, right. you know, in my story, some people got killed and what have you, but, um, now hopefully ours doesn't happen in our family, but it does. Some, um, <laughs> you know, and, and yet, yeah, it's like, you don't have to be blatant about it, but it's like those undertones of, of redemption, of grace, of suffering, of sin, of evil is all there too. Um, yeah, that and I think sometimes the Christian stuff too is also driven by markets. You know, they're not allowed to say certain things, you know, if it doesn't they don't use certain words or use certain right. tropes they won't even be accepted. You know, Christian music's that way too. Um what I've heard. You know, certain bands can't
1: Christian film too.
0: Yeah, it's like if you don't say this or that or you know, somebody doesn't get saved then it doesn't count. Um
1: yeah. when I would I would say that there's a secular counterpart to that too because you look into horror and you have a very common we don't want to see these kind of thing and it's, you know, misogyny, racism, uh, violence against children, you know, and Mm -hmm. and not that you want to see any of that in a story necessarily, um, but there's a a reason some of those things are being taken off the table and a lot of it has to do with marketing. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with the sensibilities of the audience, you know, which may be towards a certain political viewpoint and and that kind of thing. And so... Um, every genre has their rules, the things that are not allowed. It's true in romance. It's true in, you know, every every genre has has its market rules that you you know you work around, or you just decide to do it yourself and, and limit your audience or that kind of thing. Um, and storytelling from any viewpoint, you know, you, there there's issues with that kind of thing. So, like, if you were writing a story, whether you're religious or not, and the message of you know the the theme of the story is that religion can be dangerous. Well, if you if you make all the religious people the bad guys, you're really not going to make that point. It's just going to be you know the, the audience you want to hear it is not going to get it because you've you've slanted too far one particular way, and and part of it is you have to be willing to see life from someone else's viewpoint. I, I think religious people struggle with that. I think everybody of every political stripe struggles with that. As an author, if you can't take like the other parties. You know, whether it's political party, religious party, whatever you know, whatever tribe it is, if you can't take their viewpoint and tell it from a logical standpoint, then you don't understand how to write those characters. So, like whatever their emotional or reason meaning reasons are for why they believe what they believe, if you can't come up with a way to articulate that that makes sense, whether you agree with it or not, you're really not qualified to write that character. Because if you just make them a caricature that have, has chosen evil over good. Then there's there's no great story in that. You know, you got you got your heroes going up against cardboard figures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's something missing when we can't do that. Going back to the to the kidney stuff, for example, uh, I was going through that decline and that surgery and coming back up during the election. So this past election cycle, you know, while everybody else was getting worked up about who was getting elected and stuff, like I was fighting for my life. So I really didn't have I didn't have the capacity to keep track of all that stuff and so a lot of it just kind of went past me it was news that was going on and you know i had this real life and death stuff to deal with not that politics wasn't important or whatever it just it wasn't on my radar at that time as everybody was being upset about it but at the same time where i was in need where people had to you know people were having to be generous to me because i had this very expensive surgery coming up the people that were giving to me were of both political parties the people that were giving donations to me were of both Um, you know, people of faith, people, you know, were atheists, people from other countries. So like this wide, wide range of friends who weren't getting along with each other were all circling around me um, in generosity and kindness. And so like while while they were dealing with all the back and forth on politics and a lot of them on Facebook, you know, just chewing each other apart, you know, I was seeing a united group of people that were caring about me. And I think really good writing somehow finds a way to look underneath that. You know, if you've got a character that's flawed and all characters should be, if you can look under and find the humanity on all sides of of whatever story you're telling, I think there's something more powerful in that. And looking back over that weird election season and what I was going through and and the the humanity I was seeing from both sides, it it made a very different experience for me um, in that time period that a lot of other people were kind of mentally suffering through.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I think that's, you know, when, when we're dying, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> our politics don't really matter in those, in those moments, you know, um, and, I, and I think in a, in a day where things are polarized and there's, you know, conflict, and there always is, I mean, living under right. the, under the sun, but um, is sometimes fiction can be that place of, of kind of healing and art can be that place of healing. Um, where it's not just I think there's too much like well you know novels is just escapism and everyone just wants to like forget about life but but I think in some ways it actually just like, kind of what you're saying taps into our humanity again and saying like what is really important like what is what is ultimate um, and at the end of the day I don't think anyone's gonna you know regret oh, i just wish i was stronger on my political position <laughs> you know right. my, my regrets are going to be i wish i would have loved my kids a little better my wife a little better and spent more time with them you know right and my friends and my neighbors you know um so yeah i, I think we downplay the, the the power of of storytelling and fiction and and just all of that um a little bit uh so why don't we uh, why don't we uh, shift gears a little bit and transition a little bit just from um Kind of going back and tapping into a few things that you've you've talked about as far as genre and horror and writing and things is uh, you have a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, uh, novels, short stories, things like that. I, I'm always uh, fascinated by uh, kind of process, but not just you know. Well, what does your day look like? I mean, that could be interesting, but it's not always that interesting. Um, is um, talk talk to us a little bit about kind of short story versus novel um how you think about that also how do you decide kind of your next project i know you're in the midst of a project uh, i started uh, one of your books and you have like a 12 part series you're looking to write yeah, which is yeah. a, a beast um but but how do you kind of in your your world how do you kind of determine you know am i going to do a short story here a novel here where do i put my time and my effort obviously we don't have unlimited time and, and energy so talk a little bit about that side of your process
1: I, I do try to balance it out so that I'm, I'm writing different things so it doesn't get stale. You know even if I'm in the ongoing series, I, I do try to break it up daily and, and weekly where I'm you know, trying to get at least one short story written a week um, on average. I, I just think that there's something good about letting that energy out in another place. Um, and especially if I'm working towards something. And so like I, I have a reading coming up in, in July. And so I, I'll do a few stories here and there that are meant to be read out loud, and I'll write those differently, you know, I, with the idea of a, a, ver, you know, a verbal audience in mind as opposed to someone looking at the page. And, you know, I, I kind of look at those things more like performances. And so that, that changes the writing style from that standpoint. With a lot of short stories, I, I try to do something different than I've done before. So, like, I, I really doubt that I'll ever write a vampire novel but I, I do dabble in it with short stories pretty often. And usually it's when I kind of come up with a concept that I don't think I've seen before. So, I'll, you know, I'll find some kind of story that I, I think is new or newish or a new take on a story that's been heard before. And we'll try to experiment there. Um, before I go into a particular novel, whether it's time travel or anything else, I'll probably write several short stories dealing with it. And some of it is just to work out the kinks, like, you know, what are the rules of this universe? And, okay, if the rules were this, how would that play out? And then I do a short story to within those rules, and then I'll change them and try it a different way. So some of those short stories are just kind of working out the poisons, you know, trying to find ways to do that. And, you know, a couple of them turn out to be pretty good. You know, it's just you'll get a few that will rise to the top um, on that. But, you know, I'll experiment with genre and stuff like that within a short story. Um, the keys with a short story, I think, is to is to start into the material quicker. You know, you want to get as close to the ending as you can. I think that's probably advice that's given for, even for novels, but short stories in particular, you want to, you want to get as confined of a story as you can within that space. And then you want to do something good with it. Like you don't want to just, here's point A, here's point B, let me shoot there as fast as I can. There needs to be something in the middle that, that matters. So there, there is some structuring to that. And, Typically with any story, but especially with a short story where it's so confined, I try very hard to to find a way to pull the audience in two emotional directions. So if I'm if I'm doing something dark, I'll try to do something funny in it too, so that you have the reader being disturbed but laughing at the same time, and so you got those emotions going two different directions, um, looking at something you know very very sad but very very triumphant at the same time or heroic. If you can pull in those two directions, I think that's good. So. Typically, a, a short story. A lot of times, I'm looking for the emotional themes. Like, what are the two directions I want the the reader to be pulled, and how do I play that back and forth? You know, where they really feel like they're on a ride. Um, in novels, I think it's similar, but you're dealing with scenes. Uh, you got to look at the overall arc. So, I, I want to, I, even if it's within a series, within the single book in that series, I want the character to be going from one point to another. And it may be one particular character's story, even if it's an ensemble But you know, this is the arc is going to be this guy, and everybody else is kind of reacting to his arc, and they may not realize what's going on, but but they're following that same path, and that's that's where it is for the reader. Um, the the actual series is is more mapped out. I'm not used to outlining that much, but for the series, like I, I can tell you what's going to happen in book twelve or book seven because uh, I know the that part of the story. Now it. The small pieces shift a little bit within, but um, this is the first time I've written something this big and something that's this mapped out to where like I know the major story points all the way through. Like so, I, it helps me. I can introduce a character in an early novel, and I already know what their story is going to be. Like I know where they're coming back, I know where they're going, and so I can put that in in subtle ways in their in their first introduction and their second and that kind of thing. So, um, some of it's just moving pieces. You're just putting it together in a way that's that. You know, it can hold some power, hold some theme, and make it worth following along, no matter how long the story is. I guess. Mm-hmm. So
0: you, you talked about outlining. Usually, you don't outline. Are you do you just with short stories? You just jump right in. You kind of have a character, an idea. What do you what do you kind of start with?
1: Yeah, it it depends. Both a really good and a really bad short story typically begin with a theme. Like you know, like oh, here's my gimmick. You know, so like a great short story probably has it. But the really terrible ones do, too. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the you get a lot of stories where it's the the whole crux of the story is what if zombies were like this? You know, and that's that's really the whole gist of the story. And that can make a really awful story like that. That can be painful to read. Yeah. Um, so, but even even the good stories, they typically start with something like it's some emotion or some you know, quirk of a character going through something that you're going to be going with, but then you got to figure out like, what's the meat of this? Like, what's the action that's going to carry it through? A lot of times I'll get a story really good on the first pass and I'm just kind of cleaning it up a little bit. Other times I I create a mess my first time through and Mm -hmm. it's several more passes and retries before that story really becomes something. Um, so it just kind of depends on what it is. You know, I, I wrote one recently that I'm, I'm not satisfied with, I think there's a lot of potential in it, but I, I don't think I hit it and it's been set aside for now, but I was, I was looking at a steampunk universe where the characters are below everything that's happening. So they're kind of in the woods and in the country and, you know, trying to survive on scraps and like all the, the steampunky stuff that people read those stories for is kind of in the distance, There's ships overhead or their trains on top of terraces. And, you know, the, the real story and their life is underneath it. So they're kind of the poor people outside of these steampunk cities that that everybody likes to read about um and they're you know they're moonshining and all this kind of stuff that's that's going on for the story and you know i have the plot in and i have the characters in and i've I've built out some of it a little bit but i don't feel like it landed you know i don't i think all the ideas are great but i haven't created a great story with it so that's just one example of something that'll happen to me pretty often as many short stories as i write but there'll always be that one or two stinkers, you know, where you, you know, there's, you know, there's a good story in there somewhere, but it isn't the one you told, you know? So I think sometimes you just got to be willing to write a bad story and, and know that it didn't land and then work on something else and let your good ones get out to the world or whatever. But, um, you know, there's, there's a struggle in that, you know, that it's not, it's not a great story every time, no matter how much you may like the idea for it.
0: Sure. So what's your, um, path as far as sharing your, your work um, you know are you writing these stories sending them off to magazines are you just self-pubbing them are you doing both novels? It, How, it varies
1: um, I, I do submit novels to um, publishers and stuff and I've co-written a couple with Armand that we, we shop with publishers the series that I'm writing I'm doing self-pubbed but um, you know I'm paying professional editors I, Luke Spooner's doing the art for it so like I'm you know I'm investing the money into making, you know, the best piece that I can. Um, With the short stories, I'll submit them various places. I've kind of reached a point where I'm getting invites, so I don't do as much cold submitting as I used to. I will just to go through the process of getting rejected and all that and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of keep my game sharp because even though I found ways to avoid those gatekeepers and a lot of my money from writing comes from those places I've done the end run where I'm doing the self-publishing or direct sales or stuff like that, I still see value in those gatekeepers in terms of, like, um, you know, pushing back on quality. So, like, if you want to keep your game up, I think you should be submitting to semi-pro and pro markets and and letting yourself get chewed up in the machine a little bit. Uh And when you get through those markets, that's great. And a lot of those are the invites. Like, I've done enough writing to where people are inviting me in. And, you know, that's not a guarantee to get into something, but it's, it's a pretty good start. So, you know, you just do your best story and you get into some of those invite anthologies. So I'll do a lot of those. Um, I got a Patreon that's doing pretty well and I'll put stories up on there and I got an ongoing vampire story on that one. Um, so some of my work will go up there. Uh, I do a newsletter and we'll do an original story with those. I've done, uh, mystery boxes that I sell out to people and I've put together like mini magazines or whatever of, of original stories. Mm-hmm. And so I'll publish some that way. And then I've done some for free. i um, not submitting to like for love markets, but like, um, some on websites, you know, friends that are like, uh, putting together various projects or whatever, I'll jump in on those and, and have a couple free stories out because I always end up, you know, whatever weird method they, they do to inspire, I always end up with one or two really good pieces out of that. So it's kind of worth it to me to, to join in on some of those things. So I'll, I'll let some of my work um, land out there for free certain places just to let people see it and kind of guide them in into the paid stuff. Uh, so, and I guess that's, you know, that's kind of a model of what I've done in terms of making a living full-time writing. It's it's this range of portfolio items. Ghost writing and freelance used to be a big part of that, but then the rest started to grow, and I was able to shrink that part down to where, you know, virtually all the time that I spend now is my own on writing. You know, so, um, it, you know, it is a blend of, of ideas. Uh, there's no one thing that works, and most things really work well right up until everybody's doing them and then you have to kind of figure out what the next thing is. Um so some of that, you know, the mystery boxes and a few of those things that I'm doing on my own have have generated some interest. And you know, some of the stuff I've been through, you know, where I'm talking about it on my podcast or I'm dealing with it in the blog, that has put me in front of a lot of eyes. Uh-huh. And so I think that has had an impact on my sales too. I think people are kind of picking up my work more than they did before just because a lot of people are invested in my story as a person. So um, a lot of that, that's been out there too. So all, of, all of it, I think kind of worked together to, you know, create all these ways that I'm telling stories, I suppose.
0: And they're really disappointed when they can't find that captain three kidney book. Like, where is it? I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> right. Is that in the works? Well, The funny thing is like
1: <laughs> as a joke early on, like I knew I was going into the transplant. So this joke I told was I'm going to write a story when I get out of surgery Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, Oh man, that's crazy. And like, you know, it was one of those things that like, it was that one thing that like nobody's ever done before, you know, like, Uh like no other author, I don't care how popular they are. None of them are going to write a story the day they come out of transplant. You know, part of it is they're healthy and that's their disadvantage. But so I I started thinking, you know what, I'm actually going to do this. I didn't know how cognitive I was going to be, but I I just just determined, I told my wife, I said, all right, Here's a notebook and a pen. I need you at some point after I'm in the hospital room hand me this and I'm going to write a story. I don't know if it's going to make any sense. You know, at the very least I could write a zombie story if I had to. Like anybody can write a zombie story, but um I'm going to write something. So, you know, I came out and I was a little I was having some memory issues right out of anesthesia, you know, where I was like I, I couldn't remember how I gotten in the hospital kind of thing. And there was actually a point where I didn't I didn't remember that Trump was president. I thought people were messing with me. And so like all that kinda of slowly came back. It's a nightmare. Um, yeah. And my my wife kept asking, Do you wanna write it now? I'm like, No, because I was on morphine and stuff, so I'm like, Give me give me a little more time and then about eight o'clock that night I'm like, All right, I'm gonna do this and I I wrote a story and it was uh um, Captain Ironheart's Long Goodbye. And that's kind of where the Captain Three Kidney thing came up, where I was kind of joking about a superhero or whatever. But it, w- it was kind of a melancholy story about this superhero that kind of gave up some stuff and was in decline and, um, you know, struggling with physical things and the fear of being weak. And, and you know, just uh, touching on some of the fears I was dealing with at that moment, you know, when I was going into surgery and not sure if I was going to come out or any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote that story and I hand wrote it and I made a big deal about it. You know, took some, my wife took a picture of me writing longhand while I was in bed and all that. And obviously the thing needed a lot of editing once I was off morphine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like i used that story and, and there was a publication that's coming out in scares that care that has some pretty big names in it. But I, I went ahead and pitched the story to them. I said, I wrote this you know, right after I came out of transplant. You want to take a look at it and just see it, you know? So it got into this like very special publication that's going to, you know, raise money for scares that care charity but there's like big names in this, like you know, Joe Lansdale and James Rath White, and like I'm I'm like out of the twelve people in it, I am the twelfth most significant, you know. But but it's one of those things, thing weird like this, and, and get some attention to it, and then you can kind of do something big with it. So, um, you know, it's, it is this superhero story, and it was kind of from that that I made up this Captain Three Kidney thing, you know, that as if that were some kind of power I had or something. So. Um, that that story kind of, has, has some legs to it, just because of the weirdness of how it was written, right. you know. And it's that one moment that you can do something no one else has ever done before, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think that's great. I mean, I, I think you know, use it to your advantage. I think you can. You're finding good humor, I think, in your obviously in your suffering and challenges, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think that draws people in too, that you know, there, there's something about like those authors we follow. Sometimes it's, it's not even that, oh, they write the best stories in the world, but it's just like, we like the people, you know, we like the the person. I think, I think in our day too, there's just more access, you know, you wish some of our favorite authors would be a little more personable, you know, but they're just in a different place. But I, I I've bought books just because, I mean, I buy almost all the books I, people I interview just because I like them, you know, they're nice, they're nice people and, you know, and, and you just, you kind of relate to them like, Hey, they're real people. They have families, they have kids, they're trying to make a living They're, you know, right. Um, they bleed like we do, you know?
1: Yeah. There's, there's some, there's some unusual things to that. Like, like authors that kind of start to get a following, they kind of have to be a little careful about their privacy, mm-hmm. you know? Cause, um, you know, I've, I know some that are at a higher tier than I am where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have some weird people that are really interested sure. in them so they can't you know make sure they don't have their address out and stuff like that and the the smart advice is to kind of create a a barrier between your private life and your public life now with I kind of messed that whole thing up because you know with what I was going through you know I had to be a little more public about some very personal things about you know my health and some stuff like that so I really threw that barrier apart in terms of like um you know my personal life was pretty out there you know pretty Visible to to the public because, you know, again, I was looking for a living donor and, you know, a bunch of things that required me to be, you know, vocal about what was going on in my life and, you know, what I was doing on Patreon and stuff like that. So um, my online persona got to be pretty detailed about my life. You know, I I don't, you know, I don't tell anybody where my kids go to school or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but um, people have a pretty deep access into my life and it has gotten interesting as as more people are aware of me so that like you know there's, there's this broader and broader audience of people that know know a lot of stuff about me you know just from because I've, I've been open from that um you know I haven't I haven't had anything negative come of that um but I am my persona is far more public than a lot of authors even at my same level or a little bit above me that are a little more careful about that I, I may come to regret that one day but <laughs> at the moment there, there's something that's it's kind of empowering to me, you know, to share some of these things and have other people kind of inspired by it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know that there's any way for me to to divide that up again. Like I may have, I may have already passed the line on that where I, that could ever happen again. But again, you know, I I do feel like what I've been through has helped people, you know, in terms of how I've talked about it and stuff like that, and that has required me to be a little more open and out there for folks to have access and that sort of thing.
0: Well I know you've probably read Misery, so we know it doesn't end that well, so you know, just be just be careful um, but uh yeah so uh one one of the things I always like to ask our guests uh is is kind of the advice question um just taking all the things you 've learned um, in uh the last you know many years of storytelling writing uh going through stuff, going through pain um you know what are some things just when someone's listening and they're they're either just starting out or they're, they've been doing it and they're just like, you know, what's the next step for me? How do I keep on going? What, what would be just some, some advice that you're just kind of learning along the way to keep, keep that, you know, pen moving, those keypads moving.
1: Uh, I would, there a few things um, again, you know, advice is, is worth about what it's written on sometimes. But <laughs> um, one thing, one thing is you kind of have to believe your own myth a little bit. So like, even though, you know, you're not great at what you're doing. You kind of have to believe that you're capable of it. You know, if if you're an okay writer, you have to be believe that you're capable of being good, you know. And if, if you're a pretty good writer, you have to be able to believe that you're capable of greatness sometimes. And I think that belief can, will kind of push you to do better stuff. Um, I'd also say that, like, you need to stretch yourself. Like, you can, you can find a way to be really good at a niche, but you every once in a while you need to try something that scares you a little bit, you know, go into a genre you're no good at and write a story in it because that's going to expand what you're able to do in the stuff that you're, that's your wheelhouse. Um, I I would say people need to be willing to to gamble on themselves. So like be willing to, to try something more, try the market that's above the level that you're at. Um, Try, try to produce a novel, even if you think you're not ready for it yet, you know, you just be willing to, to go for it you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise anyone to just quit their job but it doesn't mean you can't you know like if you if you want to take a chance on yourself the worst that can happen is that you completely fail and you have to start over but some people completely fail and have to start over even when they stay with with something that's safe uh-huh. so I would say be willing to take a gamble on yourself uh, whether that's with the particular type of writing or just just going for something bigger than what you've done before um, I would say all those things are, are valuable
0: that's really good yeah, I think that's. You know, I think sometimes we get hung up on just the the like, you know, what I try to do in this show, and I don't always do it perfectly, but it's try to get kind of underneath that stuff. I mean, like what you're talking about, not just what's the techniques. You know, what software do I need to buy? What books do I need to read? Right. Those can be helpful. But sometimes it's that that heart, that soul part that I got to believe that I can do this, or I got to even lie to myself sometimes and say I'm, right. I'm I'm better than I really am, or take those risks, um, because you never know. I mean, that's the thing you, you, you do have to take risks. Um, I think writing so objective, you know, or I should say subjective, uh, um, right. you know, we don't really know always what's good and what's not, or what's going to catch or hit. And you know, we just put our guts into it and hopefully someone reads it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, there's some, I think some good value in that and just saying, like you said, Hey, I, I probably wasn't ready to quit the day job, but I took the leap and, you know, I got these stories I want to tell and see what happens.
1: Yeah. And, uh, it made all the difference. Like each of those moments that I, I tried something that I really shouldn't have, um, something came out of it. Uh, so there's, there's always a step forward and some of it's just resiliency. You know, you're going to have those long stretches where nothing's working out. Like you're not, you're not getting picked up by anybody. You have this massive success of some kind, um, that's, that's way above what you've done before. And then you got silence that follows it, you know, and, you kind of have to be willing to to survive through those and keep pushing to know that you're gonna you're gonna have another big one you know coming up, but it's it's gonna be something you work for and it's gonna be on the other side of all this. Um, so I think sometimes it's just a matter of, of holding on and pushing to be better. You know, you learn you learn these particular rules, you learn how to use them, you learn how to break them, and then you learn more rules. Okay, here's what I was doing wrong before. Let me see if I can tell stories this way. And make it work within my voice and all those kind of things. I think learning your voice is a big deal too. Um, I think a lot of authors struggle to try and say, okay, well, what's the story that's going to sell, or what's the story that you know, what's the next big thing that that's going to that's going to hit? But some of it is, is learning to tell whatever of those stories you pick to do, but tell them your way, you know, as opposed to trying to sound like somebody else. And even when you try to you know mimic someone else, if you decide you're going to write a Lovecraftian story by its nature, you're imitating someone else, but you know, what's your voice in that? What's the way you tell that that's, that's uniquely you, because I think ultimately, and I've heard this a couple places, I think Chuck Wendig, uh, articulated it again recently in a blog or whatever, but he's like the, the really, the only new thing about a story is the person telling it. Like ultimately you're going to find some story that's exactly like the trope that you picked up, no matter how weird you think it is, sure. you know, you, you come up with the strangest thing you can come up with and, you, you look it up online and don't find any, and then you start writing it and then suddenly you find three that are almost like it. But the only thing that makes it new is that you're telling it so that you kind of have to own that. Um, whether you're writing about vampires or zombies or, you know, literary or whatever you're doing, you got to realize that, you know, your voice that you develop is going to be what makes that story something different and something worth picking up.
0: That's good. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I want to blame Joe R. Lansdale. He actually stole my Happen Leonard idea. I was writing stories. Like, <laughs> I was writing stories like that before I even knew that existed. So, um, no, it's just funny. It is. I actually have this little <laughs> my my little crime story is actually set in kind of small town Missouri, and it's very similar. Kind of uh, not exact characters, but just small town guys. They're kind of like these you know, side hustle crime guys. And then I, I heard about Happen Leonard and I was like, hey, that's kind of the same idea. You know, I thought I was original.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're, I was, you're never going to convince anybody that Jewel Lansky. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was looking in, in my house, in my window, um, which, you know, he wrote his first one, I think, in 1990. So I was like 12. But anyway,
1: um, yeah, well, no, I, you can, you, yeah. You you can own some of that a little bit too in the terms of like, you know, I, I live in the South, so like I can gravitate towards that. And, you know, instead of running away from that, I, you know, I look at, okay, what's this, you know, this is the, this is the place I live. These are the weird people that are around me. You know, how do I tell this particular story or whatever? So, you know, like even when I decide to write something splatterpunk or grindhouse, it, it, it's fun for me to take it into a Southern thing, you know, and sending up my own, my own people and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, all, all of that, that's you, you know, you got to bring it in and find a way to tell it, you know, like if, if you write a detective story, you got to, you got to know that like there have been a billion of them. So <laughs> right. now what, what, what are you, what is it about you that's different, you know? Right. So yep. every story is like that to some degree, you know?
0: Yep. And I think there's some actually, you know, like you said, there's some positives to that. Cause you just, you also don't have to like reinvent the wheel necessarily. I mean, you're, you know, it's kind of the same story, just using different characters or different setting. I mean. Same stuff, you know. Someone's gonna die. There's gonna be a mystery. There's gonna be, you know, right. And you really are, you know, just saying, hey, I'm gonna tell it my own spin, my own angle. You know, you you write zombie stories. I mean, I think there's a few zombie stories out yes. there. I'm not sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. But you know, but you obviously tell it with your own. Yeah, my,
1: I am definitely in a genre that's been done to death. Like, yeah, right. That's the that's the premise before I even begin. Yeah. And you know, I've I've done these like uh, you know summer and winter of zombie tours and stuff where I'm pulling an author, so I'm reading a lot of zombie stuff. You know mm-hmm. where. I'm looking in and a lot of it's great, you know, but you don't want 12 that are exactly the same, you know, so you, you kind of let some good ones go. And then, of course, you read some stuff that's not great, you know, and there's plenty of that, too. And I, I push myself to read pretty widely so that every time I see a scene that's been that's done in a book, I'm like, oh, that's pretty creative. Then I mark that off the list. You know, I've already seen it, you know, <laughs> and so I get to mine and I'm like, all right, I've read all this stuff. What has not been done? Like, what is the one thing I haven't seen? Right. You know, and I. Sometimes it's something very, very small. But if you if you're willing to t- to take in all that stuff and be like, okay, I'm gonna put all that off the table now. Now that I've swept it clean, what's left? And you really come up with something creative then, because you've you've taken every cliche off the table. You've taken every you know good action scene off the table. So now, what's the, the what's the weird thing that's left? Like out of these broken pieces, how do I put them together into into something cool? And then that's when you end up with a story worth reading. I think. Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. That's good. So tell us what you're working on right now. I know you've got a million things going on um, always, but uh, what's kind of your projects you're focused in on right now? What's coming out? And then uh, where can everybody find you? All
1: right. Um, I'm on book four of the Dead Song Legend, and it's it's been edited and I'm going back through and editing again, um, you know, making sure that I caught everything the editor missed and all that kind of stuff. Um, The artwork's done for it, and it's great. Luke Spooner did a great job. So that's going to be coming out this summer um, pretty soon. I'll work on book five uh, pretty shortly after that, starting the drafting. I want to go ahead and, like, move into that. Um, I finished a book called Yard Full of Bones with Armand Rosamelia, and we have a publisher looking at that right now. I'm real excited for that to get out. Hopefully they'll they'll pick up on it, or the next one will pick up on it if they don't. Um, Where people can find me... uh, Obviously, I book it on Amazon. If you go to com, that's a pretty good catch-all. The, you know, my blog is there. I got books for sale there. The links to Amazon are there. So you can kind of find a, you know everything kind of in that one spot. So com is probably the best place to, to find it all.
0: All right. Great. Yeah, a lot of great stuff. I've checked out the site, too. Great stuff on there, videos and whatnot. And a couple of interviews, too. You can hear more about Jay. Um, you can never get enough Jay. I mean, that's, that's, that's where it comes what I, that's down to. That's what I keep trying
1: to tell people. Yeah, yeah. just... <laughs>
0: You know, it starts off a little bitter, but, you know, as you take it in like a fine wine, it gets better (laughs) with age. So, Um, well, hey, Jay, yes, it's been an absolute privilege. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Thanks for being candid and honest about pain and struggle and faith and writing. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to be helped by this episode. So thanks for coming on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me thanks for
0: stopping by the prolific writer podcast please leave a review on itunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world and head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books resources and other writing and publishing tips see you next time